Hey, and welcome to Gilmore Girls Girls. Um, one quick announcement at the top of the show. Very exciting. The podcast is on iTunes now, so go and subscribe if you haven't yet. Um, you can just search it in the iTunes store, and the new podcasts will be magically delivered to your computer or phone through the magic of technology. It's a beautiful thing. Um, other than that, follow on Twitter at Gilmore Girls Pod. And email gilmoregirlspod at gmail with any suggestions, ideas. I'd love to hear from you. And other than that, um, on to the show. Uh, the guest this for this week's episode is my friend Meg. And uh, I asked her, you know, what do you feel passionate about? What do you want to talk about? We kicked around a couple ideas, but she kept coming back to the idea of the literary bad boy, which, you guessed it, would be one Jess Mariano. Um, and we had so much fun talking about it. Um only two things you need to know before you listen. One, we managed to talk about sports for a little bit, which if you know me at all, very unusual. I do not know anything about sports. But um, if you don't know what the Philly fanatic is, the mascot of the Philadelphia Phillies, I would say look that up now so you can have that in your head when Meg is telling her delightful story. And by delightful, I mean disturbing. And other than that, um, the other great part of this interview is that we managed to have a beautiful tangent on dirty dancing and it connects back to Gilmore Girls in more than one way. So points to you if you can guess right now how we do that and let me know if you guess correctly. I'll be very impressed. And without any further ado, here's the show. Um, thank you so much for agreeing to be on my podcast. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for asking me. <laughs> um, and so today's topic, and you picked it. Yes. So I asked you what you connected with Gilmore Girls, and you want to talk about the appeal of the literate bad boy. Yes. Most specifically, Jess. Who else? Jess. Does he have a last? Mariano. Oh, we, oh my gosh. Luke Danes. I guess his sister married an Ita- I- I tie. Yes. I sorry. I don't so. know. Is that a racial slur? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry to my Italian American listeners. Um, no good Nick, Jess, Mariano. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you are Team Jess. Of course. Anyone who isn't Team Jess should stop watching Gilmore Girls. Yeah. You know what I want to find? I, 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 someone told me, um, the, um, Kelly, who did our logo, our logo, my logo, she told me that a girl in her office is, like, Team Dean. No. So they're out there, but. That's just incorrect. That's I mean. just objectively incorrect. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, I should, I should rephrase. I'm Team Rory. That's of beautiful. Of Rory's boyfriends, Jess is the one I appreciate the most, but I understand why they didn't end up together. Yes, that is a beautiful way of putting it, yeah. Team Rory. Well, I feel like, and this is slightly off topic, but I feel like one of the beauties There's of Gilmore no Girls is the ending, yes. where Rory doesn't end up with someone, but rather ends up with an exciting new job, which I love. I mean, but yeah, which is, I, was, I don't know if I talked about this. We talked about this on the podcast, but I think about it a lot that, like, the first time um, I watched a movie where the main character did not wind up with a, the, the, the romantic interest at the end, or a romantic interest, like, 
not just like you know like obviously i think i've seen movies where there were no romantic like fox and the hound or i don't know are there like is there like a lady fox you know what i'm I saying no like, idea like i feel like i've, I've seen fox seen, and the seen, hound since i was a child i've seen i've tried i was trying to think of a movie that i'd seen where there was no or the romantic plot line wasn't central but like the first time i saw a movie where the romantic plot line was central and the woman wound up single at the end i was just like so off kilter like so sh- sh- like shaken by that it was um this movie called i capture the castle it's based on a novel and she's like this like family whose father the father buys this castle in Ireland is this romantic notion and they're poor living in this castle that they can't anyway she like kisses this guy and in my head I'm like they're gonna wind up together it's perfect and like obviously in retrospect like he was kind of a cad and it was really about her growing up but I was just like what? But you want to make that character into her perfect match. Right, exactly. Exactly, which is the urge with Jess. We generally believe yeah. that you're going to end up with someone at the end, and it's going to be the perfect match, right, right. and there's going to be a happy ending. Um, and yeah, that is the urge with Des- Jess. That's, that's how you've why been trained, I talk too. about myself as Team Jess, even though, in reality, I love the, that she didn't end up with her. Yeah, I was thinking about, what was about like the most, like, what a horror! Obviously, what a horrible boyfriend he is. Pretty much from the get go. And there was I thinking of this morning specifically, something just like truly horrible that he did, where he left and didn't. Well, where he was going, obviously. But even like less than that, just that like he is such a little bitch. Like he is well, so whiny. Like when she's like, "Can you go to a party that I want to go to that is important to me and act normal for five minutes?" And, and he, he can't is just do like, "Oh, like this is so hard. This is the worst. I can't even pretend to be happy." Isn't it like the first time they hang out or something? He steals her book from her, her Dorothy Parker. Yeah. Or something. And um, annotates it and gives it back to her. <laughs> and, like, I love that because the appeal of the literate bad boy. But also, it's a little condescending. Yeah, it's like, let me tell you how to think. <laughs> let me tell you how to read this. Uh. Oh, she st- he steals it and she thinks he's going to read it. And what he actually does is annotate it because he's already read it, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so funny. Which um, is, like, both his appeal and why he's a terrible boyfriend. I mean, isn't that, like, the tragic, the heroic flaw or the tragic flaw right and like yeah. in in the tragedy is like the thing that makes them successful is also ultimately what their downfall yeah, yeah. and you think that he's specifically what is, yeah what is the appeal of the bad boy have you ever fallen for a bad boy i don't know about fallen for had crushes on absolutely yeah Constantly. you're right that's definitely a yeah. that's a, de- a demarcation yeah. yeah yeah and i don't know if it's supposed to be like you know the, yeah, the the hope that, like, that, like, I guess the thing with the Jess is that, like, the appeal is that, like, the only thing he is tender about is you, right? That he's, mm-hmm. like, it's, it's, it's something about, like, I think that, like, one way of framing it is that you think you can save him. You think you're going to be the one to make him a good boyfriend. But the other way of framing, I think kind of the other way of looking at it is that, like, knowing that you're special to him... It's, like, less about – it's, like, something – it's about, like, also, like, someone thinking something special about you. And it's also about you being unique just as much – it can be. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not – you're, you're his Annette Benning, as they say. Wait, what is that a reference to? Oh, who did Annette Benning marry that used to be famous and dated a bunch of women and, like, broke everyone's heart? And then oh, Annette Benning. Warren Beatty? Yeah, Warren Beatty. <laughs> is that really something people say? Yeah. Actually, I think it's something from Gilmore Girls. I think okay. it's a reference I heard on Gilmore Girls. I mean, that sounds like a very Gilmore Girls <laughs> reference. Um, one thing I always think of when you about Gilmore Girls is that... No, that's, that's how they talked about Logan, that Rory was his Annette Benning. That's you... why I looked up the reference. <laughs> 
Gilmore Girls is like, this is like so much to like educate you. Like where else are like high school students? And it's also, it's also such a beautiful time capsule. I was watching the Yale Harvard game. There's a lot of good references to the Bush years in there. <laughs> I think like they like you know like you know Paris referring to Rory as like a Donald Rumsfeld. You know like you're like the Bush years well, only look good in retrospect. Like, we oh. could get new Bush years. Yeah, oh God, um, we can't. Yeah, it's like dynastic period of American. Bush first Clinton. Oh God, why? Why? Um, and she announced today. Yeah. What would and just to think, like, how old would Rory be now? She was born in 1982. She's seven years older than us. No, she was born in 1984. You know, I'm not even sure. Well, think about it. She graduated from college in 2007. Oh, you're and also you're older than me, but yeah, she graduated in 2007 because she went to work on the early stages of the Obama campaign. Right. Which also, that was long before Obama even won the primaries. And yeah. that's the job they gave her? That's some foresight on the part Are of the Are you sure writers. it wasn't the Kerry campaign? No, it was the Obama campaign. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. Because Kerry was 2004. Was this upstart senator from Sunday. Illinois. <laughs> yeah. No, I was going to say, Hillary, I mean, just think of where Rory would be now. Um, eight years into her career. She would probably be wherever, where, where did Hillary kick off her? It was today. I don't even know. This is how, like... You know, the podcast audience does not know that today I've been battling with a rather acidic hangover. <laughs> so I have not been, I'm aware vaguely in the back of my mind that Hillary has announced, but. Um, I but have no where, idea where she announced that is either, where, and I don't have a hangover excuse. <laughs> that's so. where Rory, I mean, also there's something, it's, it's such like an inevitability at this point. It's like well, such a like, also non-news item. we're in the item. internet age. Like, I know that she announced. I don't have to like. <laughs> right, right, right. Watch the coverage live. Or um, but that's where, I bet that's where Rory would be. She would be I'm like, sure. Writing for Politico, no doubt. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about the literate bad boy? I don't know. Oh, there's so much more to say. Yeah, I know. You need to, I need, you need, I need you to tell me. I like. Um, so, the episode where Rory goes to visit Jess in Philadelphia. Yes. And for our listeners, Meg lived in Philly for eight Eight years. Eight years. The greatest city in the world, obviously. And Jess lives in the most unrealistic Philadelphia (laughs) row home ever. Or I should say, a home that looks like it could be a Philadelphia row home, but no row home that an upstart publisher ever lived in. Yeah. Beautiful row home. Um, yeah. Oh, that episode. I was just sitting there thinking, leave Logan for Jess. Leave Logan for Jess, please. And she didn't. And I cried. Yeah. No, I didn't cry. But I was very sad. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was in Philadelphia. It made him even better. Oh, my gosh. Um... I think one of the things that the, one of the greatest parts of the show is the soundstage that is New York that she visits him in. Oh yeah, and it's like this is way too. And he, oh, she goes and finds him because he reads books in Washington Square Park every day or something. Like, something like and that's how that. she like, tracks him down. Oh, he's universe, so fucking hip. You would think that the show Am was I a lot. Am I allowed to swear on your yeah, podcast? Yeah, of course you can. It's it's listed as explicit in the iTunes store. It's very like. <laughs> I think that makes you a badass. Yeah, I'm a badass. Just said ass too. <laughs> my badass podcast about. Like, um, early aughts family programming. (laughs) (laughs) On the WB. Yeah. Which was still the WB back then. You know what I, that just thinking about, um, talking about family-friendly programming reminded me of what I was thinking about earlier when I said something Jess did that was horrible. It was the scene where he tries to have sex with her. Yeah. Because he's mad at Dean. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is like... She, I don't. I don't, she, I don't think. I don't know if she ever real. I don't think she ever realizes that's what's going on because I think he pretty quickly. No, I 
think she realized it. I, oh, because they do get the Dean and Jessica in the fight later. I was saying I don't know if she realized, like, because at the time, it's, it's, it was really coming out of left field for her. Mm-hmm. That he's, like, about to, like, he was, like, clearly ready to, like, have sex in someone else's apartment because he can't even, like, buck up and be a little bit happy about being at this party. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking, like, that sourpuss. is just, like, ugh. Like, I, like, that, like, I think it took, like, a, for some reason that didn't, like, the the enormity of how, like, shitty he was in that moment did not sink in. Definitely rewatching it at this age, I was more kind of attuned to that. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Definitely. Although I don't know why I wasn't when I watched it in high school. Well, but, well, you said like I. Feel but like... I, I wanted Jess to be so much better than he was. Yes. When I watched it the first time, whereas rewatching it now, um, I have a better sense of how shitty he was. Yeah, because you also have you you have the full arc in your head too. Like you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, and also I think in high school I was a lot more easily blinded by the literate bad boy. He has to be perfect. She'll make him perfect. Right, right. Whereas now I can see through that trope a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. Um, well, also, like, this is always something I think about, um, and this is what Sarah makes fun of me and calls me comic book guy from The Simpsons when I say stuff about this, but, like, at some point you have to agree to play by the rules of the universe of the show you're watching. Mm-hmm. And so at some point you have to be, like, well, are we supposed to like Jess? You know what I mean? And like, obviously, well, so that's obviously, what I... obviously, it's kind of ambiguous, and that's why there's like such a such a hotly debated topic some eight years later. But like, there is something to be said of like, at some point, you kind of have to accept that like how you view the character isn't necessarily how the writers view the character, and you kind of like are able to like forgive things. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. I think, and I think that's in large part where the dichotomy between my high school view of Jess Mm -hmm. and my current view of Jess comes up in that when I watched it in high school I was sort of viewing it through the lens of he's gonna turn out to be great because that's how this is supposed to go right whereas watching it now from a more consciously feminist perspective Mm -hmm. I think partially and also just being a slightly savvier media consumer I can see that um, he's not great and the writers are intentionally writing him as not great right. no matter how much the viewers they know the viewers want him right, to be right. great and also how much Rory wants him to be great mm-hmm. yeah yeah but I still love him yeah. he's still great also I assume after he moved to Philadelphia he did grow out of some of that shittiness hopefully which is why I wanted her to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. get together with him in Philadelphia <laughs> and have a long distance relationship while she was in Lille and then moved to Philadelphia to work for the Philadelphia Inquirer right right probably probably I assume and or and new media also, in Philadelphia and this is also coming from someone who lived in Philadelphia and was in a long distance relationship yeah Meg you, with, you got to, with someone in Connecticut. Oh my gosh! You got to live out the dream. You got to realize, you even realize it. Does Alex, does your boyfriend Alex know that your chief attraction with him was a sublimated desire to act out your like fantasy Gilmore Girls like fan fiction? I haven't told him that yet, but <laughs> no. Maybe, but maybe Rory lived in New Haven, which is much easier to get to from Philadelphia than fucking Middletown, Connecticut. Yeah, the worst place in the world. <laughs> Are you glad you never have to go back there? So glad. He like refused to go to like reunions. I don't know. Ask Al. If he wants to go to a reunion, I'll, I'll go. But yeah. I, I sort of doubt that he will. My dad never goes to his reunions. Like, he was like, I, he, like, and he loved college. Like, he loved Davidson. When I graduated from Penn, he looked at me and said, you would have really liked Davidson. <laughs> Which makes 
my father's not much colder than he is. Like, he was generally, he was very happy for me. But, like, even in this moment of, like, Marshall's graduating from Penn, it was, like, this, he realized, like, she could have gone to Davidson. Which, like, he doesn't even know what Davidson is like now. He never goes back. He refuses. He was, like, it was my great four years, and it's over. Well, I think college reunions also um, are so, your college class is so big that it yeah. can't well, be quite. Yeah, was, like, 450 people. I mean, even so. But, yeah. Like, as a reunion, unless you know all of your friends are going to go. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to get together with your friends, just get together with your friends. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'll probably go to Penn for homecoming and stuff, but I don't necessarily. I mean, last time I did Penn homecoming weekend, I literally did not go to one single homecoming event. I hung out with my friends. Same. Yeah, well, I, also, well, I think there's something to be said for the structure of, like, because you, you can argue, like, if you're like, no, we should all just get together. And then it's, like, up for debate what weekend works best. And then the decision gets pushed off. Yeah, and I mean, like, that was sort of it. And then Penn is, like, okay. And then when it's a structured thing, you're, like, even if we're never going to go to any of, like, I finally made it to a Penn football game to the very, very end. And, like, had to, like, run away from the Quaker, which is our <laughs> terrifying mascot. Um, and I think all mascots are ter- terrifying. The Quaker is particularly. I don't know. Less terrifying than the Philly Fanatic. <laughs> That's because you were once sexually assaulted by the Philly fanatic. I was not sexually assaulted. I watched a child being sexually assaulted by the Philly fanatic. Not literally, folks. Not literally. <laughs> but it was in... Perhaps, perhaps the fanatic was... Should I explain for the listeners sure, please. what the fanatic did? Yeah. The fanatic likes to hump. <laughs> Anyone who has seen the fanatic knows the fanatic likes to hump things. And we invited the fanatic to come to an event with lots of young children, and he spent a lot of time humping attractive female staff members and a couple of young children, and it was just <laughs> disturbing. Oh, the, that, the fanatic. I forgot about how, like, uniquely, I think this relates, because Jess lives in Philly, and I'm sure if Jess saw the fanatic, he would just roll his eyes. <laughs> There is something so Philly about the fanatic. Like, and, he sh- and the fanatic shows up. I mean, there must be, like, obviously, I know the fanatic is not a real person. Because <laughs> there must be multiple fanatics. Because it's pretty easy to get the fanatic to show up at events. Like, I think, like, yeah. the fanatic, like, I just remember being at events, like, when, um, being at, like, you know, like, the, when we had to go to, like, neighborhood, like, um, block party kind of things. And the fanatic would just show up and people would flip out. Like, the fanatic is here! Yeah, people fucking love the fanatic <laughs> and I do not understand it. <laughs> do you remember when it turns out, when is it when the fanatic is on 30 Rock and he says, like, and he says in his fanatic language, like, they, like, oh, the fanatic shows up for Liz. And I remember this And the fanatic says, says like, I am a sea king, my daughter has oh, been yeah. kidnapped, and Liz is just like, <laughs> you can't adorable. The fanatic, yeah. yeah. I do not understand the fanatic, and I'm sure Jess would agree with me. Yeah, I'm trying to think what the because I was thinking I've been thinking about my now that it's baseball season again, my nascent my like my only attempt at being a fan of a sport was being a Braves fan as a child, and I had a Chipper Jones poster on my wall. And... <laughs> I don't know who that is, but I love it. He was once on a, when, when, when stuff white people like was having its big cultural moment and everyone was starting different kinds of blogs, there was one called Stuff White Trash People Like. And it was, and like, it was Chipper Jones. Like Waffle House, colleges they did not attend. So all of Chipper your favorite Jones. things. <laughs> I don't like, I'm not a big fan of a college I didn't attend because I hate all sports, but I did for a while. I mean, I was a Braves in the 90s. I know enough about baseball to know that the 90s was the time to be a Braves fan because they won the World Series. And God, I love Chipper Jones. I had this poster of him in my room. 
I owned a cheerleading uniform for the Lady Grizz. <laughs> That's so nice. Yeah, it was great. I had pom-poms. Probably. Except at, at that time, thankfully, the whole University of Montana has gotten a better color scheme, which is silver and maroon. But at the time, the Grizz were yellow and brown. <laughs> God. It was so ugly. <laughs> the poop and pee. It looked really bad. Oh but I was very excited about going to Lady Grizz games. That's adorable. And yeah. for the women, too. Yeah. What a nascent feminist. It's because I understood so little about sports that I just wanted to see women play. Nice. <laughs> that makes it sound like this is, like, the first story in your, like, coming out story, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to watch women play. And then you joined the rugby team. And then and I joined then the rugby team. you shocked everyone by settling down with a man. Yeah. <laughs> Um, my parents are still surprised. <laughs> like, God, she just really loved softball. <laughs> um, no, my mom asked me once. I was hanging out with the rugby team, and my mom and I were chatting. Um, she's like, "So, are you dating anyone or any men?" And I was like, "No." And she's like, "Are you are you dating any ladies?" <laughs> No, Mom, I'm not. Yeah. Just sad and alone. <laughs> Still straight, like, but sad and alone. Yeah. Yeah. But no longer. No longer straight. That's just yeah. me that's straight, sad, and alone. SSA. But back to the literate bad yes. boy. Oh, yes, please. Now that you I'm to... not sad and alone. Yeah. Um, in high school, I always imagined I would end up with some literate bad boy. And I'm so glad I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I ended up with a literate, not bad boy. <laughs> literate, I want to say good guy. A literate adult fan of Legos. <laughs> a literate adult fan Which of he Legos. gave us. Y'all, I, I love Mike's boyfriend, Alex, and I would not put him on blast like this if he did not give me explicit permission before this recording started to mention his Lego love. Um, the way in which my boyfriend is not a literate bad boy is that he is currently, as we record this, making dinner for us. Yes, and it is a Game of Thrones-themed dinner. Yes. Including lemon cakes. Yes. And a pie with a bacon crust. Yes. So, I, yeah, you definitely, like, won the lottery. Just would never do that for Rory. You know what? We're talking about boys. I'm going to share my theory on what you should really wind up with. It's not the literate bad boy, not the bad boy at all, obviously. But I just, what I hope for my friends and what my friends who have found successful adult relationships have done is they just found nerds. Yeah. And Alex is a nerd. Yeah, and see, you are a the nerd. difference between the literate bad boy and someone who is literate, but nice. not a bad boy. Is yeah. it like a nerd gets excited about things? Yeah. And Jess doesn't. And Jess spends all of his energy trying not to be excited about right. anything. Right. Which is part of his appeal. Mm-hmm. Again, because you cool. want him to be excited. Because it's more, it's like then, it's like when he wants Rory, mm-hmm. it's like he re like. And you hope that he'll be nice to you. Yeah, yeah. You can't change who he is. I don't even know if I've... My life is so sheltered. I don't know if I've... I'm trying to think of a single bad boy I've met. And maybe I don't even think of them as bad boys because I just think of them as, like, incompetent man-children. Because that's the other thing, too, is, like, what is a bad boy really but a man-child? Well, all of these are pretty reductive categories. Uh, no. My system is flawless. <laughs> Real adult humans are much more complex no, than no. labels mm-hmm. like literate bad boy and nerd. Yeah. But I... But I think that, like, a nerd is a good distillation. It's just, like, people, like, I think of, like, a nerd, and my my definition of it is someone who, like, is really into what they do. And I know that people complain about this, actually. There's, like, I've read complaints on the internet that the word nerd has gotten too 
all-encompassing and that like pretty girls are declaring themselves nerds and like pretty girls can't be nerds and that like nerds are like you know like not everyone not everyone can be a nerd now but my my definition of the word nerd is very big tent i just think it's anyone who's like really into the things they're into and excited about it and like a good nerd isn't worried about like other people like we were talking earlier about it's always sunny when um charlie writes the musical and everyone's like you can't just write a musical who are we doing this versus? Like, who is this against? And I feel like a good nerd isn't doing anything versus or against. They're just in their nerd world, into the nerdy things they're into. Someone who's excited about something past the point where it's cool. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And like I said, that's a, that's a big tent definition of nerd because I know that, you know, there is a segment of, like, lonely white men, hashtag, like, Gamergate guys, who think that nerds can only be people who are, like, social outcasts. But, yeah, like, I think, like, you could be a nerd about cooking. You know, You can be a nerd as about much as... Gilmore Girls and maybe, <laughs> I don't know, have a nerdy podcast about it. Um, as much as um, Rory is a nerd herself. Yeah. Maybe a wonk is a better term for mm-hmm. her. Um, she never meets her own nerd. I know. Maybe Marty could have been her nerd. I know. Maybe we should be Team Marty. <laughs> yeah. Na- team Naked Guy. Team Naked Guy. <laughs> no, I'm still Team Jess. <laughs> He's in Philadelphia. What could be better than that? <laughs> the perfect romance. Um, <laughs> oh, come on. A, an upstart publisher in Philadelphia? Just, just another realistic storyline for, <laughs> for the Gilmore Girls. Um... No, I was, what was I going to say about it? Yeah, she never meets her nerd, but she, you know, but she, she's the nerd that she needs for herself. Exactly. That's like, that's why and you that's, love it. And it's that's like, what the beauty of the ending of the yeah, show. Yeah, and what, actually, And the beauty of the ending of the show, too, is also all of Stars Hollow being there. And that real, you know, because the seventh season, I think, got away quite a bit from, you know, some of the core of the earlier seasons, which was how fucking weird Stars Hollow is. Mm-hmm. And in the finale, they you know, really bring that back. Yeah. And and with this beautiful shot of all the quirky-ass residents of Stars Hollows, oh, yeah. who in many ways are so much more important than Dean and Jess and Logan and mm-hmm. Marty. Mm-hmm. You know, Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> Meg is finding a way to subtly bring up Kirk because her other specialty, besides being an expert on the literate bad boys, being an expert on Kirk. Yes. Do you like to talk about Kirk? Well, I really think his product of hay-based... <laughs> <laughs> hay-based body products is going to take off any day. Uh, I, I bought stock. In, yeah. Was it Hay There? Is that yeah, the name of the product? Hay there. hay there. No, we were talking earlier, and Meg's boyfriend, Alex, the affirmation nerd, who I've said far too many nice things about today, except for outing him as an adult fan of Lego. <laughs> um, Alex said there when Meg was watching, when y'all were watching Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> he has a small part in Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. Probably in part because his brother is the director of Guardians of the Galaxy. Did oh, you know that? No, did yeah. not know. You are truly a Kirk expert. I, expert. I mean, Kirk is the entrepreneur we all aspire to be. And he finds love. Yeah. Like, Kirk's really got Fi- it He finds on. his nerd. He finds his nerd. Yeah. Yeah. Lulu's a great character, too. Yeah. Um, anything else? What else would you want to say about Kirk? Why do you find Kirk so charming? Like I said, he's the entrepreneur we all aspire he's, to he's be. He's got a hustle. you got to respect the hustle. I do. I respect the hustle. I respect that he has, you know, achieved all that despite his night terrors. <laughs> and that cat that almost ruined his life. What does he name the cat? Kirk? Does he name the cat Kirk? Kirk. Despite having cat a Kirk. cat Kirk, Kirk, Kirk who, like, terrorizes him. 
And he moves he's out. He's a survivor. From with his mother. He's a survivor. He's a survivor. He's a true survivor. Yeah. And he runs the movie theater. He's really got a lot going for him. He worked at the beauty store. Mm-hmm. He did every, I mean, that's obviously, that's the running gag. Um, along with the fact that you never see Al of Al's Pancake World. <laughs> yeah. And he was, um, he did all the miscellaneous town stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah. And his glass box that he lived in for a while. He is. Obviously, you said he's he a is, renaissance man. He is central to the plot of that story. Yeah, the boys are the romantic. The romantic partners are secondary to the to Kirk. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the true romantic heart of the show. Yeah, he does. Doesn't he um, ask Lorelai out at one point? Yes, too? and Lorelai does not know how to like respond. Like he thinks yeah. he has some pitch where he's like, "I've waited." Like. You like well, you've gone through all these other men. Yeah, I feel like you know it's true. I feel like Lorelai's love life is something that does not. Well, I mean, obviously, like the Luke thing, but like the the and not not eccentric. What's the less dysfunction? The like sheer dysfunction of that woman's love life, unmitigated mess, is like is again something like I didn't I I did not watch the show coming up as a child but in the episodes i did watch like i don't think it ever occurred to me but yeah like dating your friend your daughter's teacher so dating oh yeah. your in father's your, business partner i guess it was in your last episode you were talking about how awful it was that she dated max medina i don't think it's that bad okay oh oh we have a counterpoint yeah i mean they're both adults yeah but it's it, not like a high schooler's grades are that huge of an ethics if you, issue and clearly it doesn't affect her grades because he's still like yeah grades her fairly no i don't think as far as we know i don't think it's like an ethical thing in that sense i think it's just like inappropriate in as much as like she is bringing her teacher into her life although freaks and geeks they don't don't think it's that bad yeah freaks and geeks has a storyline like that that's really quite sweet i mean I i went to catholic school and frankly i went through several classes where the teacher had a child in the class yeah yeah it happens. No, it's not yeah. that big of a deal. I don't think. I mean, I don't know. I, it, I think for Lorelai being a woman of a certain age, <laughs> um, you know, you meet people in different places, and if you meet someone you want to date, like, yeah, unless it's a huge ethical issue, like a doctor-patient thing, yeah, lawyer-client. Mm-hmm. No, I thought it was more just that, like, when it inevitably blew up. That put Rory in an uncomfortable position. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that the thought of, but... But Max was a grown-up about it. Yeah. Which is why you choose someone who can be a grown-up about it. That's true. She got lucky. But he almost got fired over it. Remember for making out? He got in a lot of trouble for making out with her. Yeah. They shouldn't have made out at the school. Right, exactly. Like... <laughs> I don't... I, but I don't think, like, there's a huge ethical issue with dating your daughter's teacher. Yeah. As long as, you know... You keep it out of your daughter's life as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I, but, I don't have a lot of thoughts on what single <laughs> parents should do. Right, right, right. Seeing as how I am neither single nor a parent. Right, right. <laughs> well, as Ira Glass said in the most recent This American Life, judging other people's parenting is an Olympic sport, practically. So, Well, as a viewer, I had no problem with it. Yeah. In fact, I think she should have married Max. Oh, yeah. Oh, because Luke is also, it's like the Luke relationship has a similar Jess-Rory tension of, like, the grumpy, angry person who, like, is only tender for her. Yeah. But, yeah, he's, like, he would be incredibly annoying in real life. And did you read, I read that the actors did not get along, the two. Which I didn't read that. I heard that somewhere. Yeah. Which is not particularly, 
I can't imagine he has much of a range as an actor. I don't know. I haven't seen him in anything. <laughs> I haven't either. Unlike Kirk, I have not seen. <laughs> I know the Luke the, Dave. The in fact, of Gilmore Girls has not gone on to many things. Anything. I mean, Laura Graham. Laura. Wait, Graham, the mother. Lauren Graham. Lauren Graham. Yeah. Um, she had that Jeff Daniels movie she was in with Jeff Daniels. I was going to say Parenthood, which just ended and was a huge success. Oh, yeah, success. Parenthood. Yeah, she had that. Um, And then Rory's Laura, um, has had Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. She had a couple of other, like, small rom-coms that, that didn't never do very got... well post-grad. Yeah, so she didn't get any more movie roles. And she was great in Mad Men. Um, oh, Because yeah. Matthew Weiner, 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 Matthew Weiner has a habit has a does a great job of casting like children of like actors you remember from childhood in these like wildly different roles so like she has an affair with pete campbell and then gets shock treatment so she's like this plays this like incredibly depressive 1960s housewife who like doesn't even remember who he, you know and so she's like and then um Oh gosh, what's her name from Freaks and Geeks? Linda. Linda Cardellini plays like someone that has that Don Draper has an affair with. <laughs> like he's like single handedly like taking all the actresses from your childhood television careers, <laughs> but also like taking actresses from your childhood and having them play these like incredibly sad roles. You're like, no, yeah. get out of there. Well, um, I think also... Alexis Bledel will get some more good roles because I like her. Yeah. Although, yeah, those rom coms she was in were I pretty terrible. I had to stop watching. Now, who's had? I think Lauren Graham probably had the most successful post. Allison was texted me and was very sad to say that Lane is now in a like Verizon wireless commercial. Oh, that is too bad. Yeah. Maybe Sean Gunn has been the most successful Gilmore girl. Kirk. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the true Gilmore girl, Kirk. No, I mean Milo Ventimiglia, Jess. He had that nice run on Heroes. I never saw Heroes. He was a uh, oh, and character. Dean is on. Dean is on um, Supernatural. Oh, yeah, he's been pretty successful. Yeah, and he, has he a... was also in <laughs> Thomas Kincaid's Christmas Special. Oh my god, he played young I think, Thomas, Thomas Kincaid. That is which is the highlight of any actor's the career. role of a lifetime, the painter of light. Yeah. Oh, Kristen Ritter. She's oh. the most successful cast member, probably. Yeah, from Gilmore Girls. Yeah. She's so kind great. of disturbing. Oh, like, yeah. That's such a bit character is the most successful. Yeah, but hopefully their residuals are like doing, they're doing okay. Yeah. Um, I wonder. I've been wondering actually with Netflix, well, like Marty how that too. works. Marty was. Wait, I've. What? I have no idea. I'm, I'm like on the edge of my seat. She what else was in um, that thing you do. He was the main uh, character oh, in that I thing you do, that. wasn't he? I'm pretty sure he was. What's that thing? You, is that the one that's getting remade? It's the one with Liv Tyler. It was from like the '90s, which means he's been playing a high schooler <laughs> since the '90s. <laughs> if I'm if I'm correct, I feel which like we should probably it. use Google to find out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is him. Um, I don't know. That. I don't. I don't think I ever saw that. We're gonna we're gonna use I the Google know. to have, find have, out have after we, we gotten record. older, or have teen movies gotten worse? Or we've obviously gotten older, but I'm saying, like, <laughs> <laughs> am I ageless? <laughs> As you've told me several times, Marshall, you have two choices. Either you can get older or you can die. Yes. And we're not dead. No, I Seeing as how we are I'm not going to Benjamin Button myself. No, um, <laughs> I was going to say, do I feel like, looking back on, like, um, 10 Things I Hate About You, 
that thing <gasps> so like, great so good but i'm like no i think there was just like a golden age of teen movies yeah and it used to you know it used to always really conflict me speaking of like always wanting the the thing to wind up people to wind up together is it logically in the back of my head i was like no one really marries their high school sweetheart like even as a kid i knew that like you know some people do but like most people don't but i'm like so it's like you're having this big moment at the end where they get together and i'm part of the back of my mind i'm like they're gonna go off to college soon <laughs> like will this last like surely not How are high school movies worse now well like can you were? think of, but, but like i mean i don't go to oh but i think i don't know 10 things i hate about you might be the only actually good one from no, like the 90s. no what about um she's all that like watch she's all that again it's not that good <laughs> in fact i would go so far as to say it's bad <laughs> <laughs> what else is there um I think I don't know if I ever actually saw She's All That. That's one where she like has to take off her glasses. That's the one where she takes off her glasses and, they're and like, all of a sudden Whoa. she's beautiful. Yeah. Um, Whoa, lady. It started out as a bet, but it's so much more now. <laughs> no, I okay. Obviously, the golden age of high school movies was the late eighties. Okay, that's a, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, but which is which is just the Brat Pack. Like, what else is there though? Yeah. Um, that's it. I feel like there was more. Obviously, ten things I had about you. Maybe we can get Wait, can I just use our listeners excuse? to tweet at yes. us the best high school movies. Best high school movies. And if there are any good ones coming out. Although, is it just like creepy for 25-year-olds to go to a high school movie now? No. Okay. No. Are there any? Oh, yeah. We'll have to think about it. If there's any coming out now. Oh. I just like also, this is off topic, but I just need to share the story as much as I can. That Sarah, my roommate, I think she'd never seen 10 Things I Had About You, so I got to watch her watch that as, like, in college. I got to show it to Alex. Which is... It was a great moment. It's just like, oh my god, it's like watching a baby eat ice cream for the first time. Like, <laughs> I wish I could erase the memory from my mind and get to watch it with new eyes. Like, what a gift. Yeah. But also, she had never seen Dirty Dancing. I and also were... got to show Alex that for the first time. And she didn't know. I'm sure Alex knew this. Sarah did not know... The line, nobody puts baby in a corner. No, Alex didn't from... know that either. It's she... horrifying. So we... Which is also this like, is how like could you not a cultural touchstone. Like, her name is Baby. Like, how could you not have been like, oh, this is coming? But when he went up to her and was like, nobody puts baby in a corner, Sarah flipped out. Alex did too. Oh, my God. For obvious reasons. Oh, it's that movie. the greatest line in cinematic history. That movie is so good. That movie, like... I have to watch it like every two years. Just Ugh, to, like, I might need to rewatch it. That was my movie heart. had like a like such an early like sexual awakening moment for me when they're like in the dance studio or they're like she's losing no, her virginity in, in the, the rain. Water. No, in the dance studio, he's crawling across the floor, and I just like That's little thirteen-year-old Marshall yeah. was having like was like just feeling like hot and tingly all over my body, and I was <laughs> just like, oh my god! And I said, and, I, and jokingly, I knew what I was, I knew what was happening like cognitively, and I stood up, but I kind of sat up and said jokingly. After that scene, I was with a bunch of girls, and I said, um, at a summer party, and I was like, I need a glass of water. And everyone was just like, <gasps> like, you admitted to having, like, <laughs> sexual feelings. <laughs> but, oh, my oh, God. Yeah, that's a great movie. It's a perfect film. Yeah. And, again, like, there, like, he, like the implication is, like, how is this going to, like, last? Like, well, I think perfect... the implication in Dirty Dancing is that it won't last. Right, yeah, you know, okay. you know. I mean, at the beginning, the voiceover is like, it was the summer of 60, whatever it was, 69? Yeah. I don't know. I just think that song. Oh, oh, I think she says something about, like, she had no idea that, like, Woodstock was going on. She was living this yeah, incredibly yeah. sheltered life. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. The whole idea is that it's a summer romance and it doesn't go farther than that. And that's okay. Isn't that, and so isn't this a nice way to kind of bookend our discussion of like a very sex positive mm-hmm. movie, kind of like with, Gil- with, with Gilmore Girls, like yeah. the true story, you know, it's like that kind of the man kind of, it's fine that it happens and it's over and it doesn't have to be to an end. Yeah. I was thinking my, I was telling someone today at brunch, my cousin, my, um, one of my cousins is a romance novel writer. And she used to write for Harlequin in, like, the 70s and 80s. There were, like, very strict rules. And, like, the two characters were allowed to have sex, but only, like, a certain number of times. And, like, only being explicit. Because Harlequin's pretty, like, mild-mannered stuff, I think, or it used to be, at least. And, like... Well, also, romance novels are supposed to be very formulaic. Yeah. So it's, like, they got to have sex, like, this many times. And the two characters can only... Have to wind up together at the end. Unless, I guess, I'm assuming, unless there's, like, a tragic death or something. But, like, it ultimately needs to be, like, they are together at the end... And they can never sleep with anyone else besides the two, besides each other. And that was, like, the rule. Um, and it's so nice to have things like Gilmore Girls and Dirty Dancing, where it's okay to have a relationship that ends. And they're never shamed for it. Well, Dirty well, Dancing. Well, I think also, Although, you well, Obviously, know, your parents are judgmental, but the idea is that, like, we, we as the viewer are not supposed to judge. Yeah. And the idea is also that her parents sort of get over their yeah. judgment. Her father, Jerry Orbach, may he rest, rest in peace. peace. <sighs> My heart. No one will ever fill out a members-only jacket like that man. Well, Dirty Dancing, Gilmore Girl comparison. Emily Gilmore <gasps> is the mother in Dirty Dancing. <laughs> God, can I just say, I've not brought talk praised Emily Gilmore enough. She is... Probably my favorite she's character. She's fantastic. Well, I also... I, I probably. I mean, she is absolutely my favorite character. And I don't know if it's my need to, like, judge people. Like, my, like... Not... Uh, my, like, contrarian bone in my body. Where, like, I really like characters that are supposed to be unlikable. Like, I love... I, I mean, I don't think... I don't think Emily's supposed to be unlikable. But yeah, I understand. I, like, I'm always on her side. Whenever she and Lorelai are in a fight, I'm like, em- Team Emily... She well, is a I think queen. The I think she should be a gay Emily icon. Gilmore is that she is unashamed of who she exactly. is. Exactly. I really I find it very appealing that like she knows how she likes things. She mm-hmm. knows what she likes and she is ugh. I read an article right when the Gilmore Girls was released on Netflix again about the financial politics mm-hmm. of the show. And one of the things they said about Emily was like, you know, she's created a sort of, sort of even a parody of yeah, wealth. Yeah. But the beauty of her is that she always knows that she's very wealthy and owns it and mm-hmm. isn't ashamed of it. Whereas I think Lorelai throughout the show is very ashamed of her family's yeah, wealth. Yeah. And that's one of the things, you know, you and I talked about having as a topic was the wealth dynamics between mm-hmm. Lorelai and her parents. Yeah. Which is interesting. Oh, I'm so glad we talked about dirty dancing and that it had a very meaningful reason in that Emily Gilmore, queen. Like I said, I think she should be a gay icon. I think she like, should just be an icon. I mean, she's period. an icon, yeah. yeah. I, like, aspire to wear a, pan- a dress skirt suit like that woman. Oh, my God. And her skirt suits in Dirty Dancing were another just, like, not skirt suit. She had this, in the last scene, she's wearing this beautiful dress with a matching jacket. Mm-hmm. It just looks stunning. They talk, and there was an, I was reading an article about Mad Men. And about how women, like, you know, everyone's more casual now, but, that, like, women really, like, had, like, there were so many more colors and what you wore, and you had outfits, and, like, obviously I'm, like, very happy with the advent of athleisure wear. Like, <laughs> if I can wear yoga pants and make it look like I'm hoping to go to yoga at some point during the day, like, fantastic. 
Emily Gilmore is a woman who owns sweater sets. Yes, but like she would, Emily Gilmore is like what I aspire to be. Like I aspire to wear sweater sets and not yoga pants, but I wear yoga pants, so. Well, I think one more thing on Emily Gilmore. Okay. Oh, God, you could talk about And the similarities between Dirty Dancing and Gilmore Girls. You know, the implication in Dirty Dancing is that Baby isn't going to stay with him. Yeah. And she's going to go off to Mount Holyoke. And Gilmore Girls, Rory doesn't have a boyfriend. She Mm -hmm. turns down Logan and goes off and has her job. And it's beautiful. Emily Gilmore is raising women to pursue their career aspirations. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So, as we end the show, do you know what question is coming? What would be in your grab bag from Alice Pancake World? Oh, the ethnic food smorgasbord, obviously. Okay. All of the different ethnic foods, the way they do for their movie nights. Yes. Yeah. Their food bill must be... Astronomical. Astronomical. I always, whenever Lorelai was having, like, money problems, I was always (laughs) like, just cut down on the takeout. Like, you're going to save thousands. I whenever that happened I was thinking who is this woman who has like financial hardships and is eating takeout every single night yeah it's just not very smart um I just watched that episode with the where Luke and Lorelai are like kind of clearly on a date and they're like talking about how horrible dating is but they're like watching a movie watching Cas they they pronounce it Casablanca which drives me crazy they're watching Casablanca (laughs) no it's Casablanca right I'm not the crazy one I have no clue. Um, All right, let's ask Alex. Yeah. We have a Casablanca poster in Oh, it's in the living apartment. room? It's in the living room, yeah. Casablanca. Because we watch it on Valentine's Day. Oh, But it's such a sad movie. <laughs> That's, talk, yeah, talk but about, it is, hey, but it is very romantic. Talk about a movie where they don't wind up together. Because <laughs> And it's really about the friendship. She sacrifices their love for the resistance movement. <laughs> I don't know if I quite buy that. Ever. I mean, obviously they don't wind up together because they don't wind up together. It's like when people argue about like the Titanic and it's like, she could have fit on the raft and James Cameron's like, no, she couldn't have. That's the point. Like if she, like if no, he would have, he would have made the raft smaller. You know what I mean? It wasn't, okay. It's not the size of the raft. Is his, if his weight is on it too, it sinks. That was the issue. Not the size of but the people raft. People argue about it all the time. I and James Cameron do. is like, the point is that she couldn't fit on the raft. Like that's the actual size he of the raft. Is on the raft. He couldn't fit on the raft. Yeah. I have never seen the movie all the way through. I mean, people argue about this because they don't understand the concept of buoyancy. <laughs> also, like, imagine what your brain function is like when it's that cold. Like, there was like a there was a um, <laughs> there was a what do you call it? Mythbusters where they did it, but they were like in a lake in temperate weather and like were well well fed and hadn't been like swimming through frozen water for a couple hours. Because that isn't the movie. It takes longer for the Titanic to sink in the movie than it took in real life. It's a movie in which a rich woman and a poor man fall in love on the Titanic, and it's retold over the course of a diver's crew retrieving an unrealistically large diamond from the Titanic. And we're looking for logic in one scene? Like, I was like, wondering where you're going. I was like, Meg, I'm familiar with the plot of the film, the film Titanic. I don't, I don't think whether or not they could fit on the door that's floating in the ocean is the most unrealistic part of that movie. Um, oh, but Casablanca. I was going to say, I don't, which is like that ending, don't, buying that ending. I just don't buy the ending that like he couldn't keep fighting for the resistance single. <laughs> like he'll just be so heartbroken. He'll be like, well, fuck it. Like, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Genocide I'm done with my for all. <laughs> <laughs> but, but see, they don't wind up together just like in Dirty Dancing. 
amazing. <laughs> and no, but this is what we the, were the talking about. friendship. At the beginning. Yeah. At some point, you have to accept the world that the show exactly. is creating. Exactly. Exactly. And in Casablanca, the world that the show is creating is like, he cannot continue fighting for the resistance. Exactly. Unless she's by his side. Yes. Okay. Which we got on this topic because of Alice Pancake World, Ethnic Smorgasbord. Ethnic Smorgasbord. But what, like, what? And also, like, just cut back on takeout. That's, that's <laughs> what I would get from Alice Pancake World. Nothing, because I'm financially responsible. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. All right, that's it for this week's show. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. The first thing I'm going to say, the most important thing, is if you could think of a, a 90s teen movie that stands up, that wasn't just good when you watched it, but is still good now, that isn't something to hate about you, let me know. You'll probably be invited to our movie night because it's clear we need to have one. Um, we can't just watch Dirty Dancing and who, 10 Things I Hate About You on loop, although maybe we should. I don't know. So yeah, let me know if you can suggest any great teen movies. I'll talk about that at the top of next show. And see you real soon. Bye.